Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Well, just when you thought everything was going so well, and God is so good, right? He is good. I'm thankful for the goodness of God, aren't you? Yes, yes, we are. Hey, we are going to be wrapping up how to know God's will today. If you have your Bibles, find James chapter 4. James chapter 4 is where we're going to kind of be today. And we are uh, going to kind of catch everybody up who might have missed over the last few weeks uh, what we've been talking about in knowing God's will. I'm hearing like a chopter coming in. Y'all hearing that? Y'all don't hear that? Okay, things are not going as well as I thought. Okay, I thought I heard a chapter come in. It must be Nam. I'm having a flashback or something. I don't know. But anyway, all right, so we're talking about how to know God's will. Yes, over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about the fact that God does have a will for our life, right? Matter of fact, if you want to really dive into it, God wants us to know what his will for our life is even more than we want to know what his will for our life is. That's how much God wants us to know his will. It's not some mystery out there that you have to wonder about or to think about, hey, is God trying to hide something from me and I just hadn't found it yet? No, God wants you to know what his will is, but you do have to seek it out and you have to look for what it is. And we've been talking about some steps to do that. Look at James chapter 4 beginning in verse 13. James addresses it. He says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So James reminds us here that our lives are short. They're very short, but he wants us to live them in the center of his will, not just in the big decisions, but also in the little decisions as well. And we learned that there's three different kinds of God's will over these last few weeks. We talked about the providential will of God, the things that God brings about no matter what, such as the fact that Jesus was born uh, to be a human being on this earth, to be God incarnate. We're going to celebrate that here in just uh, a few weeks. Matter of fact, next Sunday we're going to start our series on Advent, talking about the hope that Jesus brings us through that season, right? And so that was the providential will of God, that Jesus would come to earth in that form. It's also his will that he died on the cross for all of man's sin, that he was buried and then supernaturally resurrected and has gone to heaven to prepare a place for all that will believe. That was the providential will of God, that he's coming again one day is the providential will of God. The providential will of God are the things that God brings about no matter what. But then we talked about the moral will of God, the do's and don'ts of the Bible that's kind of dependent on whether we obey or whether we disobey. And then we talked about the one that was most important to us, the personal will of God, because that's where it affects me, right? Not everybody else, but I want to know God's will for my life. What does God want for my life? And so we started talking about some practical ways that we could know what God's will is 
using, first of all, the primary sources that God uses to reveal his will to us, okay? We said there was a primary source and a secondary source. And the primary sources are his word and the Holy Spirit. So last week we talked about four things. Just to remind you real quick, number one, we said that we needed to walk daily with God. We need to seek to know God himself personally and not just know about God. We said, second of all, we need to study the scriptures because they are simply the most reliable source that we have to know what God's will is. If it says it in here, it's clear that that's what we need to be doing. Third, we said that we need to obey what we already know to be God's will, that the Bible is very clear on most things in life that we need to do. We just simply need to obey it. Matter of fact, at the end of James chapter 4, where we just read about how life is short and God wants us to make those decisions uh, according uh, to those daily plans that we try to make for ourselves, we need to be sure that we're in the center of God's will on all those. He ends that chapter in verse 17, James chapter 4. He says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That's a pretty simple explanation of sin, right? Matter of fact, my mama used to teach me this verse almost daily, okay? Because uh, I, I, you know, would be doing stuff, and she said, listen, you know what you ought to be doing, and if you don't do it, it's sin. And so uh, it scared me to death. I didn't want to be, you know, living in sin all the time, so I knew that was the wrong thing, bad thing to do. So mama drilled that verse into me. But that's what James is saying. It's just simply do what you know you already need to be doing. Obey those things. You can be sure that you'll be in the will of God. And then the fourth thing we said last week about the primary sources that God uses is to listen to God's Holy Spirit. We talked about how we're really quick to run to the Lord in prayer and say, Hey, God, show me what your will is for my life in these areas that I'm trying to figure it out. We're real quick to do that, but then we're not so good about pausing long enough and slowing down enough and listening enough to what God's answer to our request even was because God wants to tell us what his will is. We just have to listen long enough to hear what it is. Well, today we're going to step into those secondary sources, okay? The arena of those secondary sources that God uses for us to know his will. We've got the primary sources down, his word and the Holy Spirit, but now we're going to look at other people and circumstances because I do believe God uses these things, but we've got some things that we can learn about those. So the first one today is, it's actually number five in, five in our uh, series here, uh, is to seek other people's advice. Seek other people's advice. Without a doubt, I believe God uses other people as a secondary source for us discerning his will for our life. And he'll use other people to either confirm or to deny what his will is for us. Now, the Bible speaks a lot about this, but we're going to look in just Proverbs alone. We're going to see several verses, all right? Follow along with me. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. So even if you are a wise person, you can always learn even more, right? Chapter 11, verse 14, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors, not just one person that tells you what you ought to be doing, but many advisors. Chapter 12, verse 15, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. You ever knew of anyone who thought they knew it all? 
All right? Yeah, if you don't ask them, you don't believe them, just ask them, right? They'll tell you. Chapter 12, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse 22. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Not that the plan was so bad, but they didn't seek advice. Many advisors bring success. Many advisors bring success. And then chapter 19, verse 20. Get all the advice and instruction you can, so you will be wise the rest of your life. A lot of verses right there in Proverbs about getting counsel and advice from other people. And so getting wise advice from wise people, the Bible says, will make you a wise person, and it will also help you in discerning and figuring out what God's will for your life is. One of the most important questions you can ask yourself if you're trying to make a decision about something in your life and about whether it's God's will or not is just simply this. What is the wise thing for you to do? What's the wise thing for you to do? It's not always about what's right or wrong. What's the wise thing for me to do? And here's where I feel like I need to give you a little advice on getting advice from other people, all right? Because it really does matter who you're getting advice from. Matter of fact, it matters a lot, all right? And it doesn't matter whether you're listening to a podcast or you're listening to, uh, you know, watching videos of somebody or if you're reading a book or you're talking to a friend or even listening to some of the preachers out there, okay? You're not always going to hear and you're not always going to take in advice that is wise. It really matters who you listen to. Did you realize that you're basically a composite of the five people who you spend the most time with? You really are. You're, you're basically made up. The person who you are is because of the five people you spend the most time with because they're the ones that are shaping your thoughts. They're the ones that are shaping your actions. They're the ones that's shaping your attitudes. That's why we as parents, young people, that's why we as parents all along were so concerned about who you were hanging out with and spending time with. Because the five people you spend the most time with shape you into who you are, and they have a huge amount of leverage in your decision-making process. But it's not only just for young people, it's for us as adults too. So I want to ask us all this morning a very important question, and you have to answer it, okay? Who are the five people that you spend the most time with? Who are the, those five people? Because they are the ones that are, just have a huge amount of leverage in your decision-making that's going on in your life right now. So while you're thinking about who those five people are, I want to tell you two other major factors about getting advice from other people. All right? The first one has to do with choosing the right people. Right? You need to choose the right people. Don't limit yourself to just these main five people in your life. You need to choose some people who know you well, and you need to use some people who don't know you very well. Now, I know some of you already know this, all right? You just need to start practicing it, all right? So that's why I'm reminding you about it, all right? Choose some people who know you well. Choose some people you don't. Choose at least three people to get advice from, all right? Ask them. Ask them what they think about it. And if you start hearing the same things from these three people, you probably know that you're headed in the right direction. But if you're getting different things, then go to three more people and ask them what their advice is until you start getting a clear direction and things start lining up about what you might ought to be doing. You also need to choose someone who has nothing to lose by telling you the truth. Okay? 
So that probably is not your spouse. It's probably not your best friend because they either want to avoid a fight or they want to keep the friendship going, right? So choose someone who has nothing to lose by telling you the truth. You also need to choose someone who is where you want to be in life because chances are if they're there, they can give you good advice on how you can get there as well, right? And then the last thing is you need to ask this person that you're talking to and, and you're trying to get advice from, you need to ask them to pray with you specifically about your situation, right? Ask them to pray for you specifically about what you're trying to make a decision about. And then when you're praying to God, you ask God to speak through that person to you the wisdom that you need to hear so that you can make a wise, wise choice. So the first thing has to do with choosing the right people. The second thing has to do with using the right people, okay? With these people that you're talking to, you need to ask them, hey, are these, any of these options that I'm considering, did they violate a biblical principle that you're aware of? Because did you know that there are some people out there that might have more biblical knowledge than you? They might actually know of something in the Bible that has to do directly with your situation. Or they may know a biblical principle that you haven't learned yet. So ask them, hey, are there anything that I'm considering, any of these things I'm considering, do they violate a biblical principle or something that you know of in God's Word? And then the next thing you need to do is you just need to ask them, hey, what do you think is the wise thing for me to do? I mean, if you were in my shoes... What do you think would be the wise thing to do? Just ask them what they think is wise because, some, you know, again, it's not always about what's right or wrong. It may just be about somebody that's wiser than we are. And then ask them to hold you accountable to do the wise thing. If you kind of come down to something and you know what the wise thing is to do, ask that person to hold you accountable. Ask them to check back in. Give them permission to check back in with you. Hey, did you follow through and do what you talked about you figured was God's will for you to do in your life? All right? However, I, I feel obligated here to tell you a very important thing, and that is don't feel obligated to always follow their advice especially if you feel like it isn't right for you and it's not wise for you to do. Don't feel obligated to follow their advice. Just because you ask for it doesn't mean you have to take it or follow it because you know what? Ultimately, the decision is yours and you have to live with the decision, right? Not them, but you do, all right? In 1 Kings chapter 12, we find the story of Rehoboam. Now, many of you are familiar with this story if you've gone to Sunday school much of your life, but if you haven't, you may not be familiar with the story, and we don't have time to read the whole thing today, so I wrote down the reference verses for you in the bulletin, so if you didn't grab a bulletin, you might want to grab it on the way out, because I really hope that you'll read this whole story, but the two main characters in the story of Rehoboam is, of course, Rehoboam, and then another guy that rhymes with it named Jeroboam, okay? And Jeroboam uh, was Israel's spokesperson at this particular time for the nation of Israel, and King Rehoboam was about to be voted in as the king of the nation. So both of these guys were pretty uh, influential with the people that they were with, and they needed to make some really big decisions about some things coming up. So they both sought other people's advice, which is what we're talking about and how to know God's will. One of the steps is considering other people's advice. And so that's what these two guys did, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. They asked 
for advice. And I, I do hope that you'll read the whole story later, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you some things that we've learned from the story. And that is, if you're facing a situation where the pressure's on and you need to know what to do, it's a good idea to ask for somebody's advice. It's a good thing to do. However, it is a really bad thing to ask the wrong people for advice. Seeking advice from the wrong people can actually be very devastating. And that's what happened for Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Matter of fact, King Rehoboam ended up without a kingdom to rule because he didn't follow the advice that was given. Jeroboam ended up worshiping false idols, leading the nation of Israel to worship false idols, and ultimately was destroyed because of his decision and the advice that he was given. But here's the biggest thing to not miss about this story. Again, go back and read it later on this afternoon or sometime this week. Don't miss this, though. Both Rehoboam and Jeroboam, they both asked for other people's advice. But neither one of them ever stopped to ask what God's will was. Go back and read it. They asked for other people's advice, but they never once asked for what God's will was in the situation. And then even when God tried to use other people to tell them what his will was and what they should do, they refused to listen to it. Getting advice from the wrong people can be very, very devastating. But I do believe advice from wise people is very useful, but it is a secondary way. And the reason why it's secondary is because it is unreliable sometimes, and it's real easy to just kind of brush off and kind of refuse to listen to it. But you know what? The reason I took time to go through all this and to be very practical, I hope, with it is because going to a friend for advice is the easiest thing in the world to do, and it's the first place we run to, right? Because it's so much easier than taking the time to seek God and to go through that process of determining what God's will for our life is. So I thought it'd be really wise to take some time to talk about what some of the ins and outs are and to go how to go about doing it the best. So hopefully that was some practical advice that you can really use. So we need to seek other people's advice, but number six, we need to also consider our circumstances. I do believe that this is another one that we kind of jump into. We start looking around us, we start looking at our circumstances, and we go, well, this happened, so that must be what God wants us to do, or that didn't happen, so that's what God wants us to do. It's real easy to do that, but I do believe there's value in looking at our circumstances and trying to gain understanding from them because we've all either heard the saying or we've said it ourselves, right? Well, God closed that door or God opened this door. We've all said that or heard it right. And I do believe there are definitely times when God comes along and our circumstances line up in a certain way where it's obvious this is God's will for us. This is the direction he wants us to go. It's obvious. But I do also believe there are times when God closes those doors and he says this is what I don't want you to do. Matter of fact, go back, flip back just a few books to Acts chapter 16, okay? Flip back there to Acts chapter 16. We see a very vivid account of uh, Paul and Silas while they're on their missionary journey. We see what happens to them about this closed door or window or however you want to think about it in, in terms of thinking about God opening and closing doors and windows and things. It, it happens in chapter 16, verse 6. It says this, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because, listen to this, the Holy Spirit had prevented them 
from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Closed door. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Another closed door. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. An open door. Verse 9. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia, northern Greece, was standing there pleading with him. Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. An open door. So even the great apostle Paul had closed doors and open doors that he had to follow under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. So it's clear that God uses closed doors when he doesn't want us to do something, and he also uses open doors when he does want us to do something. So that leaves the person sitting out there now, and you're about to lose your mind, okay? Because you, and you know who I'm talking about, you are a decision maker, okay? If there's a decision to be made, you're just going to make one and you're going to run with it. You have never once in your life gone through these six steps that I've talked about the last two weeks in making a decision, right? Because that's just too much work, okay? You're a decision maker. You just know what you need to do. You thought through it for a minute. Now, you don't mind God, God weighing in on it as long as he does it quickly and clearly because you made a decision you're going to run with it and ask God to jump in on it and bless it all, right? So I, I know you're sitting out there because, unfortunately, I've been that guy more times than I'd like to admit myself, okay? So I've saved one last thing for those of you who are in that position of being such a decision maker, okay? And it's going to be really good advice for you, but it's also going to be good advice for all of us, all right? And here it is. You ready? It's the seventh thing that we need to do in knowing how to do God's will, and that is think through your decision logically, okay? Just think through your decision logically. Put all those other six things aside and just ask yourself the question, does my decision even make sense? All right? Simple, right? Let's just get real. Does my decision even make sense? And so, again, from a practical standpoint, get out your notebook, get out your notepad that we asked you to get the other day for those other things, and I want you to write down your situation, and then I want you to list all of your options. Outside all of your options, I want you to make two columns. One is for a benefits, if I do this, and then uh, the other thing is the uh, disadvantages, if I were to do this. So kind of a, a pros and cons. And see, I don't think there's anything unspiritual about making a pros and cons list because God doesn't mind us using reason. He's given us our minds to use, and he wants us to use our minds, okay? But logical reasoning alone can be very, very unreliable, and that's why it's a secondary source. And so you need to make sure that you're not just using logical reasoning alone. Matter of fact, if you're wise, you will ask somebody else, hey, is what I'm doing or about to do, does it even make sense to you? Okay? Because what's logical to you may be very irrational to a lot of other people, all right? If it is, you probably need to know now. Proverbs 14, verse 15 says it this way. The prudent, not a prude, okay? That's a different word. The prudent is someone who acts with care and thought about their future. It says, the prudent carefully consider 
their step. One who acts, you know, rationally and logically, they think about what they're going to do and how it affects their future. And I think God wants us to do that. But I think when using logical reasoning, we also need to make very, very certain that we, in our thinking, that it's lining up with God's thinking. That is, our reasoning is lining up with what God's values are, not just what the world has to say, because therein lies the danger. See, when we get to thinking about logical things like that, sometimes what might make you prestigious, what might make you successful, it might seem very, very logical, especially from the world's point of view, but I just want to remind you that prestige and success, the way God measures it, is often very different. And so the question today is, do you want to be in God's will or do you just want to be in the world's will and go the way of the world? That's, that's the big decision you've got to make. So you, you're asking yourself the question, hey, is what I'm doing making sense and just be logical about it? So let me give you some final thoughts on how to know God's will, all right? Unless God's word clearly states the do's and the don'ts about what you should or shouldn't be doing, chances are you're not going to be 100% sure about what you ought to do. Matter of fact, the bigger your decision, the more the percentage is going to go down, okay? I talked one time about having that marrying kind of piece. We just had a wedding this weekend and, and last night, and I was talking about a marrying kind of piece, you know, where you, you're pretty sure you think you ought to marry this person, but, you know, it's just hard to know 100%, right? Because, I mean, marriage is uh, it's for a lifetime, and and you've only been with this person for six years so far. You've got 60 more to go. I mean, who knows what's going to happen, right? You're pretty sure. And so I called it the marrying kind of piece, where you're pretty sure but not 100%, okay? Well, that's the way it's going to be sometimes when you're trying to figure out God's will for your life in certain situations, is you're not going to feel 100% sure. And if you wait till you are, you're never going to do anything. So it's hard to always know exactly 100% the decision you need to make in the direction that God wants you to go. But when one of your options that you've picked, when one of your options lines up with God's Word, when it lines up with what some wise people that you've been talking to are saying is a good idea, when you've prayerfully considered it and poured time in prayer about it, and then your circumstances are starting to line up, listen, you just need to go for it. You just need to go for it, even though you're not 100% sure. Because here's the deal, and it's in your bulletin there. I hope you write this down. Maybe write it in the fly leaf of your Bible, because it's very, very true. It's very difficult for surrendered people to miss the will of God. It's very difficult for surrendered people to miss the will of God. But it's also very difficult for disobedient people to find the will of God. See that? And see, surrendered people, they're always looking for God's will. They're studying His Word. They're walking daily with Him. They're praying about it. They're talking to wise people. They're surrounding themselves with wise people. They're asking for advice and wisdom. They're surrendering daily to what God wants to do. Listen, knowing what the will of God is for your life is God's will for your life. I said it before. I'll say it again. God wants you to know His will for your life more than you want to know what His will for your life is. He really does. He wants you to know. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. 
Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Try to make this very, very practical because you know what? I believe everyone here wants to know what God's will is, but a lot of times we just don't take the time and effort to do these steps that we know that we need to be doing to figure it out. But Luke tells us to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He wants you to know what his will is. And as you walk in what you do know to be God's will, what you don't know will become more clear. You get that? Let me say it again. As long as you are walking in what you know to be God's will, what you don't know will become clearer and clearer as you continue to be obedient to do the known will of God. So it's my prayer that you'll all know what God's will for your life is and that you'll be obedient to do it. Because I promise you, it's life-changing to be in the center of God's will. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your wisdom in this word today. Father, thank you that you want us to know what your will is. It's not to remain a mystery, but you want us to do exactly what you would have us to do. You want us to be successful, not only in our life, but in the lives of all those others around us that we have influence upon. And so, God, we pray that we would be diligent to seek your will to keep on seeking to keep on asking and to keep on knocking until we know exactly what it is you would have us to do in all situations of our life and God as a church as a whole we ask that you would show us your will for us in every single thing that we do every single ministry every single task that we take on we want to be right in the center of your will and doing what would be best for the kingdom of God. It's in the name of Jesus that we ask it. And all God's people said, Amen. You know, uh, thinking about Thanksgiving coming up, we have much to be thankful for, even with the loss of loved ones recently. We still have the fact that we had them for the time that we had them. We can think back on the wonderful times that we shared together and had together, cherish those moments. So I hope that you'll have a great time together with your family coming up uh, this uh, week uh, as you enter this Thanksgiving time. Hope you'll be back tonight as a church family as we fellowship together for the Agape Feast and uh, we have our youth dessert auction. It's going to be a great time of fellowship together. But really, I, I know i think back to this time last year and we, we were almost terrified to be together you know with our family for for thanksgiving and look where god has brought us now and so we have the opportunity not only to receive god's blessings but to share those blessings with other people yes it's a difficult time for some not all of us will be able to be with all of our loved ones like we'd like to be. But I just, I just want us to think about how that we can be thankful and then realize how God can use us to be that source of encouragement to others around us as God uses us this week. I hope you'll be back 
again, like I say, tonight, be back next Sunday as we begin our season of Advent with the hope that Christ brings us. In all things, He is our hope. He's the reason for the season. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.